Happy birthday, TLC. Uh, if you are uh, new today, uh, I should probably start by apologizing. This is, this is not a normal uh, service here at TLC, but we're so glad that you're here. Uh, we like to party on our birthday. We just, we do. So uh, this morning is a little different. And uh, what I'm going to be talking about this morning is going to feel a little different from uh, a normal Sunday, because I, I think we need to celebrate. Uh, there's an, an old adage, uh, you almost always overestimate what you can do in one year and underestimate what you can do in five. And for us at TLC, at five years old, uh, that adage is 1,000% true. Um, I often kind of think about uh, TLC as actually not being five years old, but um, that God actually began to plant TLC uh, 20 years ago. Uh, it was 20 years ago that um, Brenda and I were trying to figure out where uh, God was calling us to next. We had been uh, serving at a church in Chicago uh, 20 years ago. Look at those babies. Put some hair on that kid's face. And uh, we were praying about where um, God might be leading us next. We weren't sure, but we knew we loved cities. My wife grew up in Philadelphia. She's a city girl. Uh, I grew up in Flint. Uh, we were living in Chicago. We love Chicago. And I had an opportunity to uh, stay at a church in Chicago. Had an opportunity to go to a church in Southern California, which sounded amazing. And another church in Northern California and Grand Rapids. And to be honest, I didn't want to come to Grand Rapids. And that seemed to be the church that God continued to say, no, this is the one I want you to say yes to. This is the one I want you to, to come and move to, the city that I'd like you to be a part of. And uh, at the time, Brendan and I didn't have kids, and everybody told us, it's a great place to raise a family, which we knew was insider speak for super boring. That's what that means, okay? Great place to raise a family equals super boring. And we moved here back in 2001, bought our first house down in the city, and I can still remember we had uh, a lot of our stuff was still in boxes. We're like, we need to get a bite to eat. I think it was either Friday night or Saturday night. We're like, let's just walk downtown. We'll grab a bite to eat. We'll come back. We'll, we'll, we'll keep working. So uh, we did. We, we just uh, walked downtown, five-minute stroll, and tumbleweeds. It was empty. Nobody was downtown. We couldn't actually find a place. We had to go back home and order pizza, all right? And then over the next number of years, even the next decade, uh, we feel like we grew up with the city. We fell in love with Grand Rapids. I still remember when Wealthy Street Bakery first opened up, and then more restaurants began to open up uh, all throughout uh, downtown on the southeast side and now on the west side, and we became kind of a foodie place. The craft beer industry began to blow up. All of a sudden, GR was like a hot place, man. People were moving to it. We fell in love with it. In fact, I fell in love with it so much, I used to joke to people. I was like, yeah, we didn't want to move here, but now we stinking love this place. I love it so much, you can put me on the board of tourism. And I always said that as a joke. I don't even know if there is a board of tourism. I'm sure probably somewhere. I had a buddy out of the blue a couple years ago call me up and said, hey, I've got to do a shoot for the board of tourism. Would you and your family be willing to be in it? So that was on billboards in Detroit and Lansing, and that's my family on the bottom right-hand corner. So we actually kind of did wind up on the board of tourism, believe it or not. We ministered at a church that we loved for 12 years, 
Calvary Church over on the Beltline. Jordan and I actually worked together there, and then uh, God called Jordan to a church out in Holland, Michigan called Ridgepoint. And a month later, God called me to that same church. And in a crazy, just cool way that God orchestrated, Jordan and I continued to be able to work together, along with another buddy of ours, Dave McGovern, who was also on staff at TLC at one point. He and his family still attend here. Jordan and I worked there for a while, and, and after uh, a few years, I just had a sense that God was, was beginning to stir in my heart something, to take a risk, to plant a church. Now, I didn't want to plant a church, I'll be honest. I was like, Grand Rapids has got a lot of churches already. Churches all over the place. I, like, I, and I'm old. Church planting, that's a young woman's game. That's a young man's game. That is not for somebody who's like 40 years old. Uh, I should know better by now. And yet God wouldn't let it go, kept stirring this idea in my heart. And so after a while, we finally said, yes, God, we'll take the risk. You want us to plant the church, we'll, we'll plant the church. We didn't know where we were going to plant, but we knew God was calling us out to do it, and he brought us to uh, Central Wesleyan Church in Holland, Michigan, as the place that was going to launch us. At that time, I came to Jordan. Jordan was still on staff at Ridgepoint. Uh, Jordan had hired his entire team. Uh, he had a great staff, uh, a great gig. The church loved him. Uh, he enjoyed working at the church, and I came to him and I said, hey, would you leave all of that and come and take a risk and help me plant the church. That's stupid. And Jordan was like, oh, man, that sounds amazing, but no. <laughs> he said no. And I was like, all right, fine. And then I handed him a piece of kryptonite. Would you at least pray about it? <laughs> and he said, sure. So he and Dana did. They actually prayed about it for a number of months. And God began to work in their hearts, too, and said, I want you to take a risk. I want you to step away from something that's comfortable, something that is uh, fantastic in, in a, a big stage where I'm using you in cool ways with people that you love, and I want you to take a risk and step out. And Jordan and Dana came back and said, we're in. They had to say yes before we even knew where we were going to plant the church. At the time, we were praying over a few different cities. Grand Rapids had kind of captured our hearts because both he and I had worked in Grand Rapids for a number of years doing youth ministry. But we prayed about Lansing, we prayed about Midtown Detroit, and we prayed about Tampa, Florida. We went and spent time in each one of those cities. We went and prayed over the cities, walked around the cities, talked to people in those cities. Uh, we went down to Tampa in February. I was like, Lord, your servant is willing. Send me. But honestly, the whole time, we were both kind of hoping God might call us back to Grand Rapids. That was really what we kind of hoped. And the reason was because... At that point in my life, I, was, uh, I had just turned 40. A lot of my friends who were just a few years uh, behind me were in their like, mid to late 30s, and, and a number of them had just kind of started to, to, to drift away from church. They started asking questions like, does church, is it really relevant to my life anymore? Does it really matter? A number of the students that I had in middle school and high school had now grown up, went through college. Some of them were starting uh, their careers. Some were getting married, starting families. And I knew of a number of students that really loved Jesus when they were in high school that had just drifted away in college. And I said, Jesus, I know there's a lot of churches in Grand Rapids, but there's not a lot of churches that seem to be going after that next generation that are willing to do the hard work of, of, of changing and pursuing and, and just the passion. And, and I said, if you'll let us come back to Grand Rapids, Jesus, we will plant a church that goes after the next generation, that's going to go after the least and the lost those that are disconnected. And God in his grace uh, allowed us to wind up at Central Wesleyan in the 
folks at Central Wesleyan, Craig Reese, the senior pastor there, his vision, his idea for this family of churches that we could share some central office resources and yet have really kind of uh, independent uh, churches that are going to really kind of go after the, the mission that God's given us, uh, they took a risk on us. And so they prayed over us. Uh, some of you uh, are in that picture. And they sent us out, and on April the 16th, 2017, we officially launched the local church, Grand Rapids. We started with about, uh, you can flip to the next picture, we started with about 50 uh, at our launch team, and then when we launched within the first couple months, uh, we were running about 120, uh, and God was doing just beautiful things. Uh, On our first Sunday, we saw a number of people give their life to Christ. Within the first couple of months, uh, we had some amazing baptisms uh, there at Calvin College. Uh, God was bringing new people who had been disengaged and disconnected from their faith, and and were starting to find a spiritual home. And I started thinking to myself, man, Lord, this is like, I'm so glad you didn't let me wuss out on that. This has been one of the funnest things I have ever done in ministry. I stink and love it, and now here we are five years later. So what I'd like to do this morning is I'm going to... Uh, celebrate. We're going to celebrate five things as we look back over our last five years. And then uh, I want to finish by talking about five things that we can't do if we're going to celebrate like this again five years from now. So let's celebrate together. Friends, the first thing we need to celebrate is the fact that we survived COVID. Like legit, I'm just saying, these last couple years, friends, been tough. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Told them if I did anything cool, they needed a Kazumi, and they did. <laughs> Can we just be real? Some of you lost loved ones, people that you knew in your families that died because of this pandemic. Some of you lost relationships. Some of you lost jobs. We all felt the, the fear and the anxiety, the, un, the unknown about what the future was going to hold. We felt it as a church. Churches overnight. Uh, COVID hit before we even turned three years old. We were uh, two, just a couple of months from having a three. We didn't even celebrate. We didn't get to celebrate our three-year-old birthday. This place was empty. I had a number of months where I preached to no chairs or just empty chairs. And you guys remember because you're sitting at home trying to figure out how do I actually sing? And the sound sounds weird. And if you have kids, you're like, shh, be quiet. And sit still. And it was tough. And even when we could start to gather again, a lot of us were still unsure. Like, when is it safe? And how do we care for one another? How do we love one another well? And it was a hard season. And just like every other church, when we began to gather back again, churches all across West Michigan, we were about half what we had been. And we wondered if that was just kind of the new normal. Uh, in fact, it kind of has become the new normal for the vast majority of churches. Most churches are about running about half of what they were before COVID, uh, some maybe two-thirds. This past fall, we realized if we're going to accomplish the mission that God's given us, we're, we're going to have to get back to a place of health. And so Jordan uh, really began to uh, help us think through how to create some systems and structures to go along with the vision and mission that God's called us to. Uh, Emily Howard, who's the the chairman of our elder board, uh, she said, uh, I think we need to call this our COVID comeback. And so that's what our entire year has kind of, that's been the goal, our COVID comeback. And so we've been working hard to see some really cool things happen, and and God's been super gracious. Um, 
Did you know that uh, before, uh, or this past fall, about 25% of our church was serving? Average for churches, at least before COVID, was about 45%. We said, man, we've got to figure this out because we're burning people out left and right. Folks are just having to like work in multiple teams. And, and so we talked about it together as, as, a, as a church. And you guys stepped up. We've had more people sign up to start serving this past year than any other year before. And now about half of our church is serving on a regular basis. Friends, that's because you guys, stinking amazing. Uh, our youth ministry doubled inside, uh, inside, in size uh, this past year. Thank you to Deanna and to Adam and all the youth leaders that are actually kicking butt every single week, loving on high school and middle school kids. Uh, our kids' ministry uh, began to grow. We had to uh, actually uh, expand our kids. We had to break classes in half because they were so big. God's doing some awesome stuff, and so many of you stepped up to begin to lead that. By December, we saw our numbers actually come back to what we were pre-COVID. There's only a couple of other churches in Grand Rapids that I know of that, that have had a similar experience. Now, that's not a normal thing. Then by uh, March of this last year, we had our two biggest Sundays ever. We had only once or twice barely popped across the 500 barrier. We were 562 one Sunday, 529 the next Sunday. And then friends, this past Sunday on Easter, 786 people came here. Not only that, but we had uh, close to two, over 200, probably closer to 250 or 300, depending upon how you count, that were actually online, which means that last Sunday for Easter, there was almost probably at least 1,000 people engaging with TLC. Friends, that's unbelievable. That is, only God can do something like that. I promise you, it's not because of me. We've got a talented team and all that, but I can't make Growth happened, and I sure as heck can't change anybody's heart, can't change anybody's mind, can't transform anybody's life. Last week, 15 people gave their life to Jesus. We had five baptisms last Sunday. (laughs) That's amazing stuff. Now, let me say something about that, okay? Because quite honestly, this feels really braggy. And, 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 and I wrestled with it all week long. I was actually talking to my mentor last week. I was like, man, I'm working on the message, and like, we're going to celebrate and everything, but I, like, it feels braggy. And he's like, knock it off. You didn't do this anyway. So it ain't braggy if you're talking about what God did. And I'm like, oh, that's fair. And, and then he said, not only that, but you ought to think and celebrate. Christians, we don't celebrate enough. And that's true. We don't. We need to celebrate these things. These are awesome things that are happening. But it did remind me that That growth actually means two things. Number one, we start off by being grateful, okay? We have to recognize who's done this. God has, and we have to say, God, thank you. It's not about us, it's about you, and so we gotta be grateful that God's entrusting people more and more to this family. And number two, it means that we have responsibility. I'm not interested in numbers. I'm not even interested in conversions, if I'm being honest. I'm interested in disciples, we got to be about making disciples, and not just making disciples, making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. If God's going to continue to entrust new people into our body, we have a huge responsibility to work alongside the Holy Spirit to see them find Christ, fall in love with Jesus, and to become more like him. That's what we're about. That's what I care about. 
So we praise God for the things that he's doing. Man, that's exciting, right? Way better to have that problem than a, a, a different problem. But God's the only one that's actually doing the work of transforming, and that's what we really genuinely want to go after. The second thing that we have to celebrate is this building. Now, let's not get it twisted, okay? This building is not TLC, all right? This is simply the tool that God gave TLC as a place that the church gets to gather in. But this still is a pretty amazing tool. When Jordan and I were planning and talking with the launch team before we ever had our first service, we said probably around like maybe year five, that's when we'll probably start having conversations with the church about trying to look for a permanent facility. We expected that for the last five years, we'd be setting up and tearing down every single week. That's what we were expecting. And then six months into our existence as a church, all right, God gave us this building. It's a tool. It's just a tool. But what an amazing gift. Uh, We have uh, Bible studies that meet here throughout the week. Men's groups and women's groups. We've had counselors that have used this space to care for people. We've had amazing things that have happened with uh, youth and families in this space. If we were renting a school somewhere, we would never be able to do those types of things. We wouldn't have access throughout the week. This is an amazing uh, tool that God has given to us. Uh, This building originally cost $2.6 million. It wasn't us. It was a church that bought this space for a million dollars. $1.6 million later, they turned it into what you see now. After a season uh, of struggle for them, they were trying to sell the building. They couldn't afford it anymore. They had it on the market for, I think, 1.3 or 1.5, something like that, million dollars. They were already taking a loss. No one was interested. The church wasn't even meeting here anymore. It was sitting empty. We came along and saw it and talked to Central and said, could we, could we maybe look at this? And Central's like, this is too good of an opportunity. And so uh, Central worked it out to take care of uh, that church and pay off what they needed to pay off. And we were able to get this building for eight twenty-five. That's crazy. Not only that, But Central actually then came to us and said, we're going to gift you $450,000 of the cost of this building. You don't even have to pay us that back. When we figured it all out, what we owed along with the interest that had accrued, it was about $420K that we were going to have to uh, pay back. Because of your generosity over the last three years, uh, we are down as of last month to less than $200,000. That's amazing, friends. No church of our size, of our age, should be doing the things that we're doing. And it's because of the way that God has continued to move in your hearts, the generosity that you've given to this place, because you believe in what God's up to here. So, here's the hard thing, though. Can I be honest? This time next year, we will no longer fit in this space. I don't know what that means. Our elders are aware we're having conversations. What are we going to do? We don't have answers. So I'm simply telling you this so that you can be praying. Pray for our elders and our staff as we ask God, God, what, what, are, what do we do? How, how do we care for the people that you are bringing to us? Third thing we need to celebrate is the reality that our city would actually mourn if we vanished tomorrow. 
uh, we've, this is one of our values, would she weep? Kind of a funny value. It's a question we ask. Would our city weep if we didn't exist? When we first made this value, our city didn't even know that we existed. She wouldn't have shed a single tear. But because of the way that we have continued to love and care for this city, the thousands of hours that you guys have volunteered in your neighborhoods, in some of the uh, ministries and missions that God has given to TLC, the tens of thousands of dollars that you've given that we have reinvested back into our city, our city would absolutely mourn if we vanished tomorrow. ICCF, Access West Michigan, the Belong Project, where we are caring for foster families, refugee families. The reality that Kenosha Elementary School absolutely loves this church because of the ways that we continue to pour time and effort and money into serving them. Not things we want to do, things that they are asking us to do. We come alongside and God is moving, friends, and it is amazing and awesome. And it's because of you. Um, one of our volunteers for the Belong Project, uh, that's when we, where we bring duffel bags to kids that have been taken from their families and placed into foster care at no fault of their own, mind you. And the trauma of an experience like that. And they walk out of their homes often with uh, just the clothes on their backs. They don't have anything. And so the Belong Project provides a duffel bag that is that child's duffel bag. It's not owned by the foster parents. It's owned by the child. And it's got things that that particular child, whatever age and gender they are, uh, will then be able to, to have. So uh, toiletries, uh, pajamas, uh, a blanket that's theirs, a stuffed animal that's theirs, things that they can then say, this is my stuff. Uh, we get to bring those. We just started this in uh, kind of November, December-ish. We've already given out, I think, 54 duffel bags. That's 54 kids in our community that are experiencing that kind of trauma, and we're trying to come alongside of them. Um, Emily, one of our volunteers, she showed up at a house, uh, a, a mom who had, uh, in an emergency basis, taken a couple of foster kids into her home and was feeling just completely overwhelmed in that moment. And she knew Emily was coming, but Emily showed up with a couple of duffel bags for the kids and a couple of meals uh, for the mom. And she opened the door, and she just started to bawl just started weeping because in that moment to know that there's at least somebody that sees her and cares and, and, and is willing to, to step in and, and offer just a little bit of help. I'm so proud of this church. I truly am for how you guys continue to engage in your places of work, in your schools, the ways that you guys engage in uh, the ministries that God's called us to, the missions that he's given us, it's making an absolute difference. Uh, friends, we're just getting started too. There's so much more awesome to come, and I can't wait to see what God's going to do through you guys. Jeremiah 29, God comes to Israel, who is in exile in Babylon, and he says this, build houses, settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And that's our heart for the city, Grand Rapids, that we love. The fourth thing that we need to celebrate is that because of the fruit that God is actually doing here, we are on pace to plant our very first church in the fall of 24. 
It's one of the things that we're passionate about, that we're going after. We don't know where it's going to be. We don't know who's going to plan it. We ain't got the money to do it yet, but we are still on pace to make that bad boy happen, and I'm super, super stinking excited for that. Why? Because that's our mission. Multiplying church, helping the next generation fall in love with Jesus. That's what we're about. The fifth thing and the last thing and the most important thing for us to celebrate this morning is the transforming work that God is doing in our midst. We went back and tried to count up uh, what numbers we had from the last five years. And we know that there were at least 78 people that gave their lives to Christ in the last five years here at TLC. At least 54 baptisms. And when I say at least... It's absolutely at least because we have at least one year where we had no numbers. (laughs) We're a young church. We're still figuring some stuff out. So uh, God's moving. And that's 74 people. That their eternity has been transformed for forever. Changed. The rest of their life. Not only that, but most of those folks are going to probably go on to someday get married and have children. We're talking generational change. I know that it's true because I'm a product of that. Both of my grandfathers did not know Jesus until they were in their late teens or early 20s. And there were some people who loved Jesus enough to tell them and invite them into a spiritual home where they grew up and passed that faith on down. I'm a product of that. Man, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of, friends. I'm just saying. I want somebody like 50, 80 years from now to stand up on some stage somewhere else, somewhere in the country and be like, yeah, my my grandpa, he was in his 20s. He went to GV and he showed up at this church. It's called the local church. Really dumb name. I don't know anything about it, but uh, he got saved and it changed his life. and, And that changed my grandparents and my parents and it's changed me. And that's why I'm like, that's what I want to be a part of. That's what? We're getting to be a part of right now. Ah, that's some good stuff. That's what I want. Kazumi. In the last 12 months, just in the last 12 months, we've had 34 people that recommitted their lives to Jesus. 93 people said they got more serious about following Jesus this last year at TLC. 45 people started tithing last year. And almost all of those 45 were under the age of 30. Now, you're like, why would you say that? Well, because uh, that's actually a really interesting thing. It makes sense because 80 plus percent of our church is under the age of 35. Do you know what the average age of a church attender in America is? I have no idea. I couldn't find the number, okay? (laughs) Sorry. Here's what I did find, though. (laughs) The average is 85% are above the age of 35. It's actually 86%. We've flipped that. 80 plus percent of our church is under the age of 35. We ask God, God, would you let us go after the next generation? Did you know that more people are leaving the church than ever before? And Gen Z and millennials are at the highest rate. 10 years ago, 62% of folks in America went to church at least once a month. Just 10 years later, That number is now 45%, and it's lower for Gen Z and millennials. Friends, if we don't care, if we don't say that we're going to do what it takes, make the changes necessary, make the sacrifices necessary, to speak in a language that connects, that answers some of the hard questions that are being asked by the generation coming up behind us, then we're just going to lose. We're just going to miss out the opportunity to transform a generation, and that's what I want to be about. That's what I care about more than anything else. 
65% of our young church is spending time with God in his word at least two to three times a week. That's 15% percentage points higher than the average. 85% of our church is spending time praying. This is not normal. This is God's grace on us. And this is nothing that we get to take credit for. It's not like, oh, we're awesome. We have great programs. We've got good coffee. We've got good... No, it's because Jesus has decided to pour out his grace on us. And we need to say thank you for that. So let me give you, though, five things that we can't do if we want to celebrate like this five years from now. The first thing that we can't do is we can't forget the lost, the least, and the disconnected. Luke 19.10, Jesus said, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. 30% of our church did not have a spiritual home before they started coming to TLC. The average church in America is less, well less than 10%. We have to care about folks that have given up on the church, that think the church is irrelevant, that the church isn't willing to ask the tough questions. We have to make a place that's safe for folks that are questioning and wondering and have some doubts to come and, and experience the power and presence of risen Christ. We have to care about this. Luke 4.18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We have to keep caring for the vulnerable among us in our city and around the world. This is why we've sent money, money that you guys have given to Transformation Church and God's Design Church in Kiev, Ukraine. This is why we pray for our brothers and sisters that are part of the network of churches that we love. They weren't able to offer us a birthday wish because we're in the middle of a war right now. It's why we care for the folks at Kenosha Elementary School. It's why we continue to invest in the teachers and staff there that are loving on kids. It's why we care for kids in foster care. It's also uh, why we've rented a storage facility for Sister Alma. Sister Alma is uh, living down at the border, caring for refugees and asylum seekers, many of whom are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now I get it. I'm not trying to be political. Some folks are like, yeah, it's a, it's a really tricky issue talking about immigration. Yeah, yeah, sure, it is. But I promise you this, when you're standing in front of Jesus, and Jesus says, what did you do for your brother and sister? Like, well, Jesus, it's a tricky, it's a tricky issue. Are we willing to do the hard stuff? If that's my brother and sister, you better believe I'm going to care. I have to care. And as a church, we will. If we care for the things that Jesus cares about, I promise you, Jesus will care for us. The second thing that we can't do is we can't become consumers. Look, if you want to kill this church, start making it about you and the things that you want. We'll kill this place real quick. We cannot become consumers. Now, let me say something. If you've been wounded by church, okay, and you need a place to come and heal for a little bit, you are so welcome here. This is a safe place, right? Because if you fell and broke your hip, what would a good Christian do? They'd take you to the hospital, right? Gently bring you in. We'll put you on a nice fluffy bed there in the hospital. We're going to have folks bringing you meals, right? 
asking what you want the channel to be on your TV, and then we'll take you into surgery and we'll fix that hip. And then we'll bring you back and set you back in that room on that nice bed for about one day. And then guess what happens? We're going to make your butt get out of bed and start walking on your new hip. Why? Because we know that if you're still in the hospital bed six months after your surgery, you're getting worse, not getting better. And the same thing is true of church. Look, I'm not saying you can only come here one week and then you need to start diving in. What I'm saying is this. Come and rest if you need to. But just know, I can't let you sit here and become a consumer. It will destroy you. It will destroy your faith. And it will begin to leak into all of the people around us. We cannot be consumers. Part of my job as a pastor is to call out stuff that is actually destroying your spiritual health. And I'm going to call it out in you, expecting that you'll call it out in me as well. We need each other for that. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be mean. But if you're just looking for a place to come and sit and then peace out, I'll give you the name of a bunch of other places you can go. But we are not for you. That seemed a little harsh. (laughs) It's only harsh if it's not true. Look, I care way more about your relationship with Jesus. And I'm willing to say the hard things because I want you to care about that for me too. We need each other in that space. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? We can't become consumers. Number three, we can't forget what God has called us to. We're a multiplying church helping the next generation fall in love with Jesus. We have got to plant churches. We do. Let me tell you a, a stat that really uh, humbled me when I, when I uh, found it out this past week. Metro Grand Rapids has grown by about 7,000 people each year since 2017. So that is grown, all right? That includes people that have left and come in. We have had 7,000 people growth. Since we started as a church, GR has 35,000 more people in it. We have less churches today than we had in 2017. I know of three churches that started around the same time that we did that closed their doors last year. There's 35,000 people that need a spiritual home, not to mention the amount of folks that have no spiritual place to connect to, no spiritual family. Friends, we've got to care. We, we can't forget what God's called us to. We're supposed to plant churches. That's going to cost me something and you something. I promise you. I'm just saying it is. Second thing is we're about the next generation. We've got to care about the next generation. We have to actually make sure that we're asking the right questions. We will not reach the next generation by dumbing down, slimming down, or watering down the Bible. We will not reach the next generation pretending that their questions and concerns don't matter. We will not reach the next generation if we don't live a faith that's worth dying for. If we can't live for it, nobody else is going to want to die for it. We sure as heck can't be that kind of a church. 
And I wanted to use a different word than heck, and I told my wife about it ahead of time, and she told me I was an idiot if I did that, and that, then I would just be known as the cussing pastor in Grand Rapids, and I said, I don't actually want to be that, but I want to say something that's going to shake some folks up, because quite honestly, if you're more worried about me saying a bad word than you are about the fact that most of the younger generation's walking away from the church, then we might not be the right church for you long-term too. Ooh, he's spicy today. Yeah, a little bit. A <laughs> little bit. Number four, friends, we can't play it safe. We can't play it safe. We've got to take risks. A whole bunch of you took huge risks to show up to this place. Some of you left churches that you loved because you believed in what God was calling this place to, and you wanted to be a part of it. Some of you had no spiritual home, and you thought to yourself, why the heck am I going to show up to a church? I don't know what those folks are going to be like. They might be crazy. They might try to give me Kool-Aid. All right? Like, I get it. All of us took a risk, but we can't stop. Look, when you got nothing to lose, taking risks is not that big of a deal, right? When I was younger, I had no money. I could take risks left and right. Didn't matter. I'm older now. I got stuff. I don't like taking risks the same way. Church, we're older now. We got stuff. But that cannot be an excuse for us to stop taking risks. People's eternities that literally hang in the balance. And I know that that's like a, oh, that's a pastor thing. People's eternity. Man, if you don't believe that, friends, I'm just telling you, we've already lost the battle. That's real life. That's real truth. And it needs to hit us. It needs to hit me. We can't play it safe. Uh, Risk is just another name that Christians call faith. (laughs) And Jesus said, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, that, that, that doesn't give us, like, a blank check to do whatever we want, all right? But it sure as heck points us in a direction of heading out to sea for the great adventure rather than chilling on the beach. So we're going to be a church that is constantly pushing out to sea. We will not be a church that just makes sandcastles on the beach. And if that's going to happen, then the last thing we can't do is we can't stop hungering for God's presence. None of this takes place because uh, me or Jordan or Austin or Adam or Kinsey or Deanna or Freddie. It's not because of our elders. It's not because of our awesome volunteers. It's not because of even you. It's because Jesus has decided to pour himself out, his Holy Spirit, And transform my life and your life and so many others' lives. And that's what we're praying for, begging for. That's what we desire. Uh, There's a guy, his name's John Tyson. He's a pastor. I think he's a pastor in New York. But he's from England, so he sounds really smart and awesome. And we were at a conference, and and, and he was uh, teaching, and, and he said this, and it's stuck with our staff. We've been talking about it more and more. He said, God comes where he's wanted. God comes where he's wanted. Look, is God omnipresent? Yeah, he's everywhere. We get it. But you can't read the Old Testament and the New Testament and not realize that God comes where he's wanted. You cry out to God, God promises to cry out in return to you. He comes and answers prayer. It's what he did with Zacchaeus. When Zacchaeus, little dude, outcast, climbs up a tree looking for Jesus, Jesus walking down, Jesus doesn't just see him, Jesus speaks to him. Jesus comes to him because he wanted Jesus. A centurion, Luke chapter 9, wants Jesus to come and heal. Jesus comes to him. Jesus himself said, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. Are we hungering and thirsting, friends? 
We will not celebrate five years from now what we're celebrating today if this doesn't become our vision, our battle cry for the next five years. Do you want to see God do crazy stuff, amazing stuff? I don't want to be a part of a church. I don't care how big it is, how cool it is, how many lights we got, how much fog we got in the air. I'm not interested in any of that stuff if it's something that I can create. I want to be a part of church that when people look at it, they say, dang, did you see what God did there? Did you see what God was doing in the lives of those people? That's what I want to be a part of. And that's what I'm calling all of us towards. Let's be that church. Psalm 63, 1. You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole heart longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Friends, God comes where he's wanted. Jesus changed my life. I was a sophomore in high school. And ever since then, all I've ever cared about is trying to help others experience what I've experienced. It's what I want more than anything. It's what I want for you. It's what I want for our church. And if we will hunger for God, hunger and thirst, I promise you, he will fill us. That's, that's what I want to be about.